Let's have a mystical conversation, the kind where we lose ourselves in the wonders of divine mysteries, share dreams from the other side, intuitive nudgings, and soul mission yearnings. A mystical conversation lifts us above the ego mind, and it helps us see life from a place of divine inspiration. That's the place we go to know things we can't see from everyday reality. We have to rise up within our consciousness to get this new view. Hello, I'm Sue Frederick, your host for today's Mystical Conversation. I'm the author of eight books, including I See Your Dream Job and Your Divine Lens. I'm a lifelong intuitive and master numerologist, and for the past 20 years, I've made my living coaching people with intuition, numerology, and mystical conversations. I've helped thousands of clients remember their soul's mission, find their purpose, and create a life that fulfills them emotionally, spiritually, and financially. I'd love to do a phone session with you. Just visit my website, suefrederick.com. Today, we have a wonderful guest and also a good friend of mine. Her name is Katie Kuntz, and she is an award-winning writer, author, and editor whose focus includes spirituality, travel, and health. And as a freelance editor, book doctor, and ghostwriter, Katie has worked on books with numerous authors, including New York Times bestselling authors Christiane Northrup, an MD, a naturopath. She's one of my favorite medical uh, authors, Joe Dispenza, who we all know, and Anita Morjani. She's also been the editor of Unity Magazine since 2014 and has interviewed new thought luminaries such as Eckhart Tolle, Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, and the list goes on and on. Katie was named to the 2019 Folio 100, a big honor in the publishing industry for her work with the magazine, and her writing has been recognized in the Folio Eddie Awards. This is a woman after my own heart because I'm also a writer, but she has really won the awards for it. And then personally, on a personal note, she's on the Libra 5 path, and that's a path of courage and adventure and experience expansion and freedom, and she's gotten to travel around the country, probably the world, doing her work and interviewing people, and then she's got Libra wrapped around it, which is the energy of truth and beauty. So those two combinations offer her her energy for navigating this life and career. She's also in a three-personal year, which means it's a year of creativity and connection and and community, community, which it's really a good year to be connecting with people. So on that note, say hello, Katie. Hi, Sue. It's lovely to connect with you. Oh, I'm just so happy to have you as a guest. And, um, you know, I always say that writers think alike, and um, I've been a follower of your work for a long time now, and it's just so fun to connect. So tell me a time when you had what you would call a mystical experience or a mystical dream that lifted you into a different divine perspective. Well, one of my favorite examples of that uh, came when my daughter was just, my daughter's 
now in her mid-20s, but when she was just a couple of years old, I was a freelance writer. It was before I was with the magazine. It was back before email, right? So that's when <laughs> you get stacks and stacks of paper mail. Right, right, right. And so, um, and I had this brass uh, letter opener that my mother had given me for Christmas one year with a unicorn head on it because I love unicorns and mm-hmm. I used that. And somehow I had misplaced it. And so I was having to open all this mail, you know, like with my hands and I was always getting paper cuts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was at a time in my career where what I really wanted to do, with, I, I wanted to change direction. I, I liked what I did, but I just wanted to do something And it was a specific change I was looking for. I wanted to start writing about um, new thought things. Mm. And uh, and I didn't have a specific idea of what that meant or or where, but I I was very interested in it myself and uh, and mystical things and spiritual things. And I felt that that people in the country were too, Mm -hmm. but... They, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to preach to the choir. I wanted to reach out to people who were looking for um, a place of trusted information. So I wrote for like the women's magazines, you know, the Mm -hmm. Seven Sisters in New York and uh, Health Magazine and uh, Self Magazine and those kind of places. So I thought I wanted to write there rather than something like New Age Journal. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just couldn't make any headway. And, um, and it was really frustrating because I really wanted to delve into this. I thought people had an interest and, and it wasn't working. So I found this writing fellowship that I wanted to do mm. and I, I thought it would be perfect for me. And, uh, and I applied and I, uh, and I waited every day when I got this stack of mail. <laughs> so, so finally the day came when the, uh, when the envelope came with the, with the answer and, uh, and it was, no, I, I did not get the fellowship. And uh, I was so upset. I was so upset because I thought, surely this was the answer. Right. Surely right. this was what I was supposed to do. And, and I know you felt that too. You feel this like, okay, that's the direction I'm supposed to go. And that's what I'm supposed to do. So everything is supposed to line up, right? <laughs> I know. I mean, that's been the story of my life also as a writer, you know, trying to get different books published or different articles published, and then you get the rejection. Um, but I can't wait to hear where your story goes. <laughs> So I was, and I guess, I, I, I guess my, I was probably in my, in my mid thirties. <clears throat> so I opened the letter and I was so depressed. I was so upset. Mm-hmm. And immediately I go to that mode where I, where I'm saying, uh, this just, you know, proves the universe is against me and, you know, I right. can't ever get anything I want. And the rejected you know, that, writer. Right. Yeah. The rejected writer right. drama. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm still in these feelings while I'm opening this gigantic pile of mail, which is so funny to think about now because we have email instead back then, right, you know, right. I, oh my God, it was like a, like a tsunami of mail, but, and I do a lot of travel writing. So a lot of the mail that I would get would be um, press kits and, and, um, and, and press releases about different places to travel. So I went through this whole stack and I'm still upset about not getting this fellowship. And uh, I'm getting more upset as I continue. And on the bottom of the stack, there was this kind of lumpy envelope and it was a a press kit from a zoo. I don't even remember which one it was now. And I opened it and there was a a folder inside and I opened the folder and, and it was not uncommon then I should say to include like little gifts, you know, notepads Mm -hmm. or little things to to get people's attention Mm -hmm. right there in the folder was a letter opener. 
it was a, a it was either a wooden or bamboo carved letter opener with a rhino on the head from the zoo. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, you're kidding me. Right, right. <laughs> and to me, you know, what that said is, hey, <laughs> we got you. <laughs> you will always get exactly what, what you, you need. Right. Right. And, you know, that is such a great cosmic lesson. And it came to you in the mail. (laughs) It did. I know. I know. And and I want to say that that's another really great thing, because I've had a lot of interesting dreams and things, but the messages that come, I I call them organic, you know, the ones that Mm -hmm. come like that in, in real waking life. To me, those are the most arresting <laughs> because right. you can't make this stuff up, you know? I know, I know. You know, I love that story and I love the fact that you recognized it because a lot of the times, you know, we get so stuck in our our drama, our maybe our victim story, that when the sign comes to us that everything's okay, that we need to trust that it's still moving forward, you know, we don't even look at that sign, you know, because we're so caught in our drama. I think the good, right. th- the good thing is that, you know, in that moment of despair, you were able to see the sign in that, you know, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You know, um, you were talking a little bit about your daughter, and I was thinking about a dream, and I wondered if you had had any dreams when you were pregnant. When I was pregnant with my daughter, I met her before I even knew I was pregnant. Did you, wow. have, it, did you have any experiences like that? Um, not quite like that, although... Uh... <laughs> I did not know if I was having a boy or a girl. I didn't mm-hmm. want to know. I that I wanted to be surprised. Nobody does that now, but I wanted to be surprised. <laughs> and back then, some people still wanted to be surprised. And um, and my then husband and I were trying to to decide on a name for the baby. And of course, we had to pick a girl's name and a boy's name. And I was convinced I was having a boy, um, not because of any real reason mm-hmm. or sign, but um, I I wanted a girl, and I felt but I would have been happy with a boy too, right? It, it wouldn't have been a disappointment. It's mm-hmm. just, if I had to pick, I would, you know, I would, have, I would have checked the girl box. And I think I felt guilty about even having a preference, right? Because like, what if it was a <laughs> right, boy? Right, right. <laughs> I decided I was having a boy. And, um, but we were still picking girls and boys' names. And, uh, and one morning um, when I was in that, I was definitely still asleep, but I was, I was, I was kind of in that half awake, half asleep mode, but I was definitely asleep. It wasn't just that I was like laying there sleepy, you know, I was in mm-hmm. that kind of hypnagogic image kind of thing. Yeah. And I heard this voice clear as day, clear as day in my ear say, the boy's name is Sam. Oh, gosh, I love and I'm that. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So let me tell you. Let me tell you quickly, my little, is that the end? Do you have more to say about that? Or can oh, I share? I, I didn't have a boy. I had a girl, but we did name her Sam. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Well, when I was, before I, before I knew I was pregnant, I was, um, I was a little bit late and I didn't have any idea that I was pregnant and I went to sleep and I dreamed 
um, that I flew into this big house and it was empty. It was a white house and all the walls were white and, and I flew into this big room and there were two little children sort of standing against the far wall and I flew to one of them and it was the girl and she stepped forward and I saw her face and I said, are, are you my baby? And she said, yes. She said, yes. And I'm a girl. I'm going to be a girl. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. I said, what's your name? And she said, something soft like Sarah. And I went, oh, I love that name. Okay. And I looked at her and I said, I just want you to know I really, really love you. And she looked at me with the most ancient wisdom in her face. And she said, and I really love you. And I woke up. And I knew oh. I had met a child, a girl named Sarah, and she was going to be my baby. And I found out that week I was pregnant. And I wow. saw her face in the dream so clearly that when she was born, I recognized her and I instantly was going, it's my Sarah, you know. <laughs> I think a lot of moms have those kind of pregnancy intuitive moments, you know? Yes. So what other mystical experiences do you have that you'd like to share? Well, I think one of my, and one of the things that we have talked about, right, is signs from the other side. Right. And, uh, both of my parents have passed now. And I've gotten some very strong, uh, again, organic kind of signs from both of them. And mm -hmm. one of my favorite ones happened after my dad died. And my father had been in the Navy, and he served on a, a destroyer escort in the Pacific during World mm -hmm. War II. And there is a, uh, a, a Navy ship that decommissioned that has, uh, that's almost exactly like the one that he was on. It's not his ship, but it was a sister ship, and they've turned mm -hmm. it into a museum in Albany. And he had been there when he was alive and, and really enjoyed it. And I had promised him when he, he died of pancreatic cancer. So we knew he was dying. He was on mm -hmm. hospice. And, and there were a couple of places I promised him I would go after he died. And, and that was one of them because I had never been there and he had been there once or twice and talked about it all the time. And I knew it was important <laughs> to him. And, he, you know, he, he wanted me to see what it was like for him. Yeah. So, so anyway, I had been on this trip. This was, I don't know, maybe a year after he died, maybe, I, I can't remember exactly, but it was still close enough that his death was still pretty raw to me. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had gone out to Salt Lake City on a business trip and then to New York City for, you know, to continue it, a different part of that trip. And I was going to go visit my daughter in college, but I had a couple days in between. So I thought, perfect time, I'll take the train to Albany, spend two nights in Albany, see the ship, and then go to Philadelphia to visit my daughter. So that's what I did. So I had been on this sort of odyssey Mm -hmm. And and uh, and even though I love travel, it's just sort of exhausting when you're you know flying across the country and yeah, planes, planes, blah blah blah. And uh, by the time I got to Albany, I was just um, I was just sort of tired. <laughs> I got back to the hotel and checked in and went up to my room and uh, and put my bags down and just sat on the end of the bed. And uh, okay, so finally I'm here in Albany. And I started talking to my father in this sort of exhausted state. And I was saying, um, you know, Daddy, I'm, I'm so glad that you're not in pain anymore. And, um, and I'm so glad, you know, that, that, um, that you, and his, 
pancreatic cancer is a horrible thing to die from. Yeah. But as pancreatic cancer patients patients go, my dad's was not so bad. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure it was horrendous, but mm-hmm. not compared to what I've seen or heard about. Let me put mm-hmm. it that way in other people. So, mm-hmm. um, so I was very glad, you know, that he wasn't in pain and I was saying that. And, uh, and, you know, I, I like to think I'm a spiritually enlightened person who believes <laughs> that death doesn't exist. And I do actually believe that death doesn't exist. And I know that the spirit goes on. I'm not going to presume to say, I know exactly what that means and right. what that looks like and how it works, but, <laughs> right. but I, do, you know, we are more than our physical bodies. So I'm saying this to him. I'm like, look, I know you can hear me and I know you exist. And, and I, I know that truth. I know that in my bones, but mm-hmm. I just have to say, and I know you can hear me, but I just have to say, I can't hear you. And that just, <laughs> that just, that just sucks. Yeah. And I just start crying and crying. A lot of it was just, you know, the trip and all the moving around and everything. And so mm-hmm. I just, I just let myself cry. And then I kind of fell backwards on the bed and uh, and took this little nap and I was holding my cell phone because I had sat down on the bed with my phone to, I don't know, set an mm-hmm. alarm or check email. So I wake up, I don't know, 10 minutes later and I'm still holding the phone. Mm-hmm. And I look at the phone to see what time it is. <laughs> right there on the screen, I, I still cannot believe that this happened, but it did. There, it had opened to iTunes, which I had not opened before. Couldn't even tell you the last time I opened it. <laughs> and right there was a Belinda Carlisle song, and it was Heaven is a Place on Earth. Oh, that's so great. And did and you yes, did you I, totally get chills? Oh, and- <laughs> oh, I did. I did. And the amazing thing is to get to that specific screen, I'd have to, you know, open iTunes and then say open songs and open this album. And there were like a lot of steps to get there. It's it's very unlikely that even in my sleep, I pressed on all of those things to get there. (laughs) Right. I love that story. I love that sign. So your dad, you know, they can, they can um, interfere with electrical things sort of eat more easily than they can like as a full apparition in front of us, right? So he did his best to get you that message. And I love that story. That's a father's love for his daughter. Never ends. (laughs) You know, it's funny. It's funny because my dad, I loved him so dearly too. And he died from lung cancer. And um, I'll just tell this story really quick and then we'll get back to you. But when he died... Um, I had had to leave the hospital that day because I was in charge of all of our, my, my daughter and my siblings' kids for the afternoon. We had been trading off childcare. And so I brought the kids home and got them down for a nap. And I knew that my dad would be crossing over that day. I could just feel it. And I was upset that I couldn't be there in the hospital. And I sat down to meditate once I got the kids down for a nap. And the minute I started meditating, my father appeared to me so powerfully. And he was looked like he was 30 years younger. He was healthy and vibrant. And he was joking around like he did when he was younger and making me laugh. And at first I was like, yeah, dad, you're so funny. And then I was like, dad, what are you doing here? And I kind of woke up from my meditation and picked up the phone and called the hospital. And my brother, Jim, answered. And 
I said, Dad just visited me. What's going on? And Jim said, well, Dad's having a heart attack, um, and they're trying to do CPR. And I said, no, Dad's not in that body anymore. He's already free, and he's happy about it. And Dad died within a few moments. And I knew that the minute he got free of his body, he came to show me that he was okay. Wow. (laughs) I love it. Uh, so it's so fun to be focused on these more mystical occurrences rather than our everyday uh, challenging world in the summer of 2020. And when you look at these uh, world events that have kind of grounded all of us, <laughs> sent us all home for the summer, um, what do you think your soul is being called to learn during this time? Well, it's a, it's a good question. And, um, and as you mentioned, I do travel a lot and I travel all over the world. The last uh, trip I took uh, out, of, out of the country was in December of last year. I, I was in Japan. Oh. And I always say that, you know, the more, the more foreign the place is, um, the, the, the more I like it. You know, if, the, if it's not just the landscape that's different and the language that's different, but even the, the characters, right? Like mm-hmm. not, not, not English letters, but Chinese characters and right. politics and everything. And the reason is because when you're in a in a in a situation like that where everything is foreign, everything, mm-hmm. um, you have to be very very present. Yes, and uh, and and so it sort of forces you. It's it's kind of like uh, I don't know, maybe like bumpers on a bowling alley, right? It kind of forces mm-hmm. you to <laughs> to stay present to keep the bowling ball on that center line. And, uh, and so now I can't do that, right? Because right. we're in quarantine and shutdown and whatever you want to call it. So I think my challenge is learning how to do that without those training wheels. Right. You know, as you were talking, I was also thinking that when we're in that situation where nothing feels <clears throat> normal to us, we also have to get out of our left brain logic mind and get into our our right brain, our intuition you know, you have to be an intuitive traveler when you're in an unknown place. And so now, in lots of ways, you have to be an intuitive uh, traveler in your own backyard. Just jump out of your left brain mind so it won't drive you crazy <laughs> and get, get into that higher consciousness, you know? That's exactly right. <laughs> so um, I always say we only have a couple minutes and I always love to say, you know, uh, at, the, at when we cross over, much like you feel about your dad and I feel about my dad, there's always someone who tells our story and <clears throat> that wonderful Hamilton finale, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. When you picture your soul crossing over and you're looking down at this wonderful life that you led how would you tell your story (laughs) I think I think I would have to say I colored outside the lines and I not only survived I thrived I love that so much oh that's that's ready for your uh, obituary right there (laughs) that's wonderful (laughs) you're such a good writer (laughs) actually that should be your book too Katie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Katie, how, how do listeners find you? 
well, my website is katiekunst.com. And if you're interested in my work for Unity Magazine, the landing page for the magazine is unitymagazine.org. Oh, wonderful. Um, so thank you so much, Katie. It's been a joy connecting with you. And until we meet again, this is Sue Frederick having a mystical conversation with Katie Kuntz. And if you'd like to learn more about my work, visit suefrederick.com. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye.